Blog Talk Radio. Radio is on the air, April Fool's Day, 2012. I'm John Corey, a lot to get into this morning. We got the start of the Major League Baseball season upon us. Starting Wednesday night, I'm not counting the Japan series with Seattle-Oakland. Nobody watched, nobody cared. Not to mention that they played spring training games this week after coming back from playing two regular season games. I don't care about those two teams. The season starts Wednesday night in Miami with the defending champion St. Louis Cardinals, who are a completely different-looking ball club, against the team with the new name, the new ugly uniforms, some new faces, a new manager, and the best leadoff hitter in baseball. If you think about it, it's a pretty exciting week to be in Miami, uh, for those of you that care, with WrestleMania week, uh, WrestleMania tonight, Monday Night Raw tomorrow for Miami. You know, it's a pretty big week for Miami sports. The way the Heat are playing. A lot of good things going on down there right now, and the excitement for the Miami Marlins, by all accounts, is the the most excitement there's been in probably about 14 years. But I digress. We got NBA. We got more NFL free agency. The, now, we, as we turn the calendar to April, we're going to start looking ahead to the draft. A ton of things going on, Final Four, but we're going to start right there. I don't want to spend too much time in the Final Four. A lot of people haven't been as interested in it as in past years, and you can chalk it up for whatever reason you may think it is. But the games yesterday were tremendous. The first game, the Battle of Kentucky, was very exciting, very well-paced, back-and-forth game that Kentucky controlled most of the game. But every time you thought Kentucky was going to get on the big runs and really take control of the game and blow Louisville out of the building, Louisville would fight back. Every time they were down eight, they cut it to two or four. Every time they were down 13, they get it back to six. But you are never really in a position to take control of the game themselves. But they made they make Kentucky work. They make Kentucky work hard. And it was a, just a, a, a just a fun game to watch. The atmosphere was great. The the playing was the, the teams played good. But you know these referees got to go. You know, I, I made a, a statement on Twitter last night. Basically, 
that these leagues be better off getting WWE reps throughout these games. Hell, at least they would know the outcome beforehand, right? These referees, and it's now become a big issue. You can point to any sport you want, any sport you want, and there's constant official problems. Constantly, always. It doesn't matter if it's baseball, football, basketball, hockey, lacrosse. It doesn't matter. There's issues everywhere. And, you know, some of these leagues you can say, you know, they're college refs. You know, they may not be at the level as, you know, an NBA ref. It's a different game. You know, if you're a referee refing the Final Four or even the tournament in general, that means you're at the top of the class. It really does. And for these referees to not be able to get simple calls right is frustrating watching a game. Not to mention you have the refs that like to take control of the game, put the focus square, squarely on them by calling things so close to the vest that you can't have a good ball game. But in the second game, Ohio State and Kansas, it was a good basketball game. It was a game that, let's face it, Ohio State choked. Call it what you want. You can say Kansas played good. You can say how they choked when they led it to half. And Kansas was already coming back then. Listen, Ohio State was also a team that could have really just got rid of Kansas early. And the rest of the game could have been an afterthought. It could have been a celebration leading into Monday night. But Solinger was terrible. Ohio State at times, their offense was, was stagnant. The entire second half, their offense was stagnant. The first 10 minutes of the game, Ohio State's offense was free and loose and confident, and you could see it. But as the game wore on, they tightened up. The offense didn't flow, and Kansas just, you know, clawed their way back on the defensive end and the offensive end. Kansas finally, with a minute left, took the lead, and they took control of the game, and that's really the first time that Kansas took control of the game. I think when they got the lead with with 53 seconds left, I believe that was the first lead since 2 nothing. But even after that, Ohio State couldn't get anything good. They couldn't get any looks. They kept trying these off-balance three-pointers. And that they finally got a, a, an explosive tip-in dunk, get it back to one, but Kansas hit the free throws. And then with nine seconds left, Ohio State comes down the ball, down three. Uh, Frost doesn't even get across half court. He gets fouled. He tries to play up a shot that, you know, he doesn't get – the shooting foul out of it. At this point, there's 2.8 seconds left. Excuse me. 2.8 seconds left. He missed. He makes the first, which was big. Now, he had to miss the second on purpose. Okay? He misses the second. You know, he hits the rim, but he gets a lane violation because he, he jumped over the line too soon. 
you know, he missed the layup anyway. So he would have made this tremendous play and still missed the layup, and he missed it badly. But as Ohio State was arguing this call, and they had every right in the world to ask the, the referee that made the call a question of why did this happen. It's the referee's responsibility. The whole play, especially in that situation when there's still 2.8 seconds left in the game. Instead, that referee didn't hold play. Ohio State's players were all looking at this particular referee, still trying to talk to him and get an explanation for why that call was made, even though it was the right call. It was the right call. But then they go off that right call, and as one referee is staring at the Ohio State players, wondering why they're asking for explanations, when he doesn't halt play, another referee who's being told by the Kansas player to give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball, the ref gives him the ball, throw the ball in play, they throw the ball in, game over, and Ohio State didn't know what happened. They had no chance to foul the player. They had no chance to steal, to get a steal. And that is a travesty in my part. I'll grant you, it would have taken a miracle for Ohio State to either get that game in the overtime or possibly win it. But the referee is not there. They're not there to dictate how a game will be won. They're there to make sure the game is played by the rules. They're there to make sure that the rules are enforced. And for them to end a Final Four game that way, it, I understand I may be making too big of a deal about it with the time that was left, but to me, just watching it, my first thought was, that's ridiculous. So that sets up tomorrow night. Kansas versus Kentucky, UK versus KU. Right now, the, the line has Kentucky, the seven-point favorite. And I think tomorrow night's going to be a, a coronation of, of sorts for uh, John Calipari. I don't see any way Kentucky loses tomorrow night. You can say that Kansas will take the momentum from last night's game and put it to Monday night. That the young Kentucky team may be tight, maybe nervous to play in the national championship game. I don't see it. Cal Perry's done a good job of making sure his players just play and he handles everything else. He said it in multiple interviews. He said it. He said it everywhere. He just wants his guys to play. And that's the mindset. They're going to come in tomorrow night. And I think that you're looking at a game that might be nip and tuck in the first half. But at some point late in the half, the last four or five minutes of the half, I think you're going to see Kentucky make a run. And then I think in the second half, they're just going to pull away. And you're going to be looking at Kentucky as the national champion. What the speculation about where Cal Perry's going to coach next begin. He'll finally get his national championship. He'll get his closure of sorts in college. He can set his sights on possibly a team like the Knicks 
who as being a Knicks fan, I would say hell no. But I think tomorrow night, John Calipari is going to win his first national championship. And I think Kansas is going to, I'm sorry, I think Kentucky is going to steamroll Kansas. I, I got Kentucky winning by at least 15 tomorrow. And I know that's not what people want to hear. They want to see a good game. I don't see a good game happening. Moving on from college to the pros, I brought up the Knicks earlier. And the Knicks got terrible news yesterday. Jeremy Lin is going to be out for at least six weeks. He's got a torn meniscus. Terrible news for Jeremy Lin. Terrible news for the Knicks because now your Knicks point guards are Baron Davis and Mike Bibby. Even though last night you saw something out of the annals of Madison Square Garden, a Tony Douglas sighting. Now, Tony Douglas last night looked as uncomfortable as somebody could possibly look. But how can you blame him? He hasn't played in two months. But he was trying to do the right things. And in the long run, I think he's a much better option than Mike Bibby. But that's without saying. Um, there's some talk in the newspapers today, and I really hope it's an April Fool's joke. But there's talk that, you know, the Knicks have had internal discussions about possibly bringing back Stefan Marbury, who just ended his Chinese season with the championship. He scored 41 points in a championship game. And by all accounts, he's in the best shape of his life. Mentally and physically. But I'll tell you what. Stefan Marbury said in the interview, what, you know, he was asked, what would you do if the Knicks called you about coming back? His answer was nothing. Stefan, I agree with you 1,000%. I, would, I don't want any part of Stephon Marbury coming back to the Knicks under any circumstance. We've seen that show that had a terrible ending and had a terrible plot, and I don't want to see it again. If he wants to go play on some other team, that's fine. If you ask me, even though Mario Chalmers has played really well in Miami, boy, the Miami Heat's a really good landing spot for Stephon Marbury. If he is in the kind of shape that people are saying, and it's for real, remember, physically and mentally, then the Miami Heat would be stupid to not at least give him a workout and see what the deal is. The Knicks had a nice bounce back win last night. Uh, their win streak ended Friday in Atlanta. They had a nice blowout of a shorthanded Cavs team. I mean, they were missing Kyrie Irving. I mean, they were just depleted. And as you look on this April 1st, with one month to go in the season, the Knicks have 13 games left, and they're three behind Boston. But the problem is they're four behind the lost column. They're three behind Philly in the lost column. In basketball, it's hard to make up that kind of ground. I think you're looking at a scenario where the Knicks get 
the eight seed. I don't think Indiana's going to come back to them. Um, Atlanta, with the win the other night over the Knicks, really shut down talk of the Knicks moving up past Atlanta. And the Boston Celtics have gone on a nice little run. The Celtics actually lead the Atlanta division. After all the problems the Boston Celtics have had, they've started to get some things together. Garnett has played better. The backcourt has played better. And as you look here, the Celtics are 29 to 22 with a half game lead over Philly in the Atlantic Division. I mean, what what can you say? The Knicks are not getting. Knicks might not get out of the eighth spot. Because what's going to happen is if Boston wins the division, Philly's going to drop down, Atlanta's going to drop down, or vice versa, and the Knicks are going to be in eighth spot going against Chicago. The Knicks are going to need another. I mean, let's face facts. The Knicks are going to have to go ten and three these next 13 games to even think about the division. Eight and five is not going to do it. Seven and six isn't going to do it. They have a tough schedule ahead. You're looking at, if the Knicks go 10 and three, they'll finish 37 and 29. And I think that could get it done. I think it could put them right there for sure. But their schedule is so tough. I don't see it happening. This week, for an example, they're on the road at both Indiana, who wants some payback on the Knicks, and Orlando, who also wants some payback on the Knicks. I think it'd be prudent for the Knicks to get their health Get their rotation, get their playoff rotation together. You know, Melo's been on fire. Melo's been like the old Melo the last few games. But between the Stoudemire injury, I don't think you'll see him again. At least I'd be surprised. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that epidurals don't work. I I live it. I live it every day. I've gotten so many epidurals the last year. You have no idea. And no, I'm not having a kid. But I've had so many epidurals the last year. There's no way. I mean, most people say they don't work anyway. They're not going to work on Amari. He may try to come back, but he's going to be a shell of himself. And I think you're looking at Stat and Lynn, both out in the playoffs which is really going to put the Knicks behind the eight ball. Yeah. Not much else I want to talk about in the NBA right now. I mean, the Clippers are free-flowingly crazy. They just had a, a scare yesterday where Chris Paul, they were worried about injury with him. But it turned out not to be serious. The Lakers complete, uh, appear to be in complete disarray. Kobe's upset. Bynum's upset. But really not much going on. I would say one of the surprises is San Antonio's really taking control of the Southwest Division. Think about this. 
before the season started, I would have looked at a team like San Antonio and said, boy, this season's a bad setup for them. They're 36 and 14. It's incredible what the Spurs have done. Memphis, since getting Zach Randolph back, has really caught fire. They're up to 28 and 22. You know, if there's any race that's going to be interesting, it's going to be the the NBA playoff race in the West. The East, the eight teams in the East are all but locked in. You know, Milwaukee still hopes they can catch it to the Knicks. But otherwise, the eight teams are, are really locked in right now. In the West, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There's probably twelve teams in the West that have a legitimate chance to get into the playoffs. Just based on a run they can get on. I mean, you know, San Antonio's in. Oklahoma City's gonna be in. And then either the Lakers or Clippers are gonna be in. The rest, it, you know, it Every one of those teams is a losing streak plus a winning streak from a team below them away from being on the outside looking in. Even the defending champions, who are only 30-21, uh, I'm sorry, 30-23, I mean, they have every chance in the world to miss the playoffs still. It's going to be an amazing month in the Western Conference. Uh, take a quick look at hockey. The Rangers last night, I mean, with four games left, they have a five-point lead on, on Pittsburgh, who had a rough week against the Islanders. But the Rangers... have a game tonight against Boston. And Pittsburgh plays this afternoon against Philly. So a Ranger win and a Pittsburgh non-overtime defeat, and the Rangers will clinch home ice throughout throughout the playoffs, throughout the Eastern Conference playoffs. Now, they're tied in points with Vancouver, and they're one ahead of St. Louis for the NHL overall, and they have a game in hand on both. So they still have that they can go for, the President's Trophy. But the Rangers with a win tonight can really solidify their, their spot, and they can rest Lundqvist a little bit moving toward the playoffs because they're going to have to jump on his back if they're going to win, if they're going to make some noise and win this thing. But now... I want to move to my Major League Baseball preview. Now, spring training storylines, they're nice. But I don't go off any of it. If you're a fan of a team, you love to hear about the prospect that made noise, the guy that hit 400 with 10 home runs. But it's not realistic. You don't know who they're doing it against. 
you don't know if it's somebody just working on a pitch. And usually to be on fire in March leads to 250 average the next six months. Now, you had the new wild card format this year. So there's going to be two wild card teams playing a one-game playoff, which will make things very interesting. You have the rule that was removed that in the in the um, divisional round of the playoffs, the division series, in the past, teams from the same division couldn't play into the league championship. That's out the window. So you could theoretically have Yankees win a division, Red Sox and Tampa play the, the wild card game, and the winner could theoretically play the Yankees in the divisional series. Now, I want to start my, my division preview And I want to start. Eh, we'll start the National League. You'll start the American League East. Boston obviously has got Bobby Valentine managing. You know, obviously he's a huge favorite of mine. You know, he he gets things out of players that you don't under even stand where it comes from. You know, Bobby Valentine went to the World Series with a Mets team that was. Let's just say um, light on talent. He had Piazza, he had Leiter and Hampton, and that's about it. He had scrubs like Todd Zeal. He had a beat-up and beat-down Robin Ventura. He had guys in the outfield like Benny Agbayani and Jay Payton. Kurt Abbott was a shortstop. And he went to the World Series with that team. Now he's with the Boston Red Sox, and that team has talent. Bobby Valentine's going to find a way. And even though on paper the Red Sox appear to have some issues, Crawford's still hurt. Starting rotation has a lot of questions. Can Bard be a starter? Will Beckett come back to form? Lackey's out for the year, not that he did anything special anyway. You know, the Red Sox have, appear to have issues coming into the season, but I think it doesn't matter. I think Bobby B is going to have the team eh, at least around 95 wins. You know, Tampa Bay's pitching staff. You know, they, they have the best pitching staff in baseball. And I'm including Philly in that. They have the best pitching staff in baseball. And that's how they're going to win. Toronto has some players coming. They appear like they're going to be a factor. And then you have the, the poor Baltimore Orioles sitting there going, shit. We play with these fools? Can we get moved to to the Central or something? And then you have the New York Yankees, who no description needed. 
did a powerhouse, did he all everything. But I think they're going to be a wild card. The way I see the American League shaking out, the Yankees have a lot of starting pitching, but I think they also have a lot of starting pitching questions. As do the Red Sox. But the Yankees have guys like Teixeira that had a down year. A-Rod had a down year, and it was very beat up. Jeter, you see Jeter starting to wear down. He's had an injury this off, this spring training. He had an injury last season. You're seeing the Yankees' injuries and age really come into play here. Swisher's been hurt. And I think because of that, your 2012 American League East champions are going to be the Toronto Blue Jays. It's just a hunch. It's only a hunch. But I'm buying in. I'm buying in big time. I'm buying into the fact that they're a team that's on the rise. I'm buying into their pitching staff. I'm buying into everything. You know, Kyle Drabeck coming. You know, their starting pitching is going to be much better. And I just feel with Escobar having a full year short, gets reunited with his with his um with Kelly Johnson, plays second. Batista still gonna hit bombs. Ben Francisco, his injury seems to be better. Now you have a team that I think is really gonna come on strong. They're gonna come on big. I think you have a team that's going to surprise some people and win the American League East. It's just a hunch. It's just a hunch. And the wild card game is going to be Boston and the Yankees. I think the Yankees will find a way to do what they have to do to get into the playoffs. I'm not sold that Pettit's going to be a help. I'm not sold they're going to stay healthy. But I am sold they'll do whatever they feel they need to do to get that postseason berth. And I think in the wild card matchup, I think about this for a one-game playoff. Yankees-Red Sox. I think you're going to have Yankees-Red Sox in the wild card game. And if you're Major League Baseball, you take that right now. But I had the Blue Jays, Yankees, and Red Sox followed by Tampa and Baltimore. I just don't think Tampa's going to hit enough. I think their pitching is going to have some issues. On paper, it looks tremendous. Right now, they're the best pitching staff in baseball, like I said earlier. I think their hitting is going to be the problem. I think it's going to be the major effect of why they're going to finish fourth in the American League East. Now, going to the American League Central, I don't think I don't really think anything of the central 
you know, Cleveland had a nice run last year, but it faded. The White Sox are kind of a team in flux. Kansas City, a lot, there's some people that are picking Kansas City that, to be a surprise. And Minnesota, a team that usually has everything in line, they just don't seem to have any spark right now. There's no stories come out of there. Any story that comes out of there is about an hour or more no doing nothing. I like Detroit running away in this division. With Fielder and Cabrera, I like them running away big time in the Central. The West is where it gets, gets interesting also. You have the Angels in Texas, and you have Seattle and Oakland. Well, I think off the top, you eliminate Seattle and Oakland. You're looking at a dogfight between the Angels and the Rangers. In the end, though, I think Pujols and the Rangers get it done, and they get back into the playoffs. I think they win the West. I think Texas finishes second, second in the West. And I think they finish a game behind Boston for the second wild card. Moving to the National League. And if you think I'm getting into stories about spring training, you're crazy, just for the record. Moving on to the National League. We'll start with the Central. The Cubs who are rebuilding. The Astros who might be a AAA team at best. The Pirates who seem to have some talent. Who seem to be doing some good things with their personnel. I don't think they're ready yet. The Brewers, who are are a a different look without Prince Fielder. Ken Ryan Braun, through all the controversy he's had between the steroid accusations and losing his protection in the lineup. Can the Brewers recreate last year? Can the defending champs without Albert Pujols, without Tony La Russa, recreate the run? that had them go for the title last year. And can the Cincinnati Reds come back from the team that two years ago made the playoffs in, you might say, surprising fashion themselves? Well, the Central, I believe, is going to be between Cincinnati and St. Louis. And I think you're looking at the Reds taking the division. I think the Reds take the division. I think they win it Handily, you know, by handily, I mean, you know, five games or so. I think you're looking at 92-93 wins for the, for the Reds. I think that between their offense being stacked as ever and their pitching staff coming along little by little, I think the Cincinnati Reds are going to be your division winner in the National League Central. The National League West, I just throw my hands up and yell for help. That division every year could go to any one of those five teams. It's just a matter of what team gets hot and jumps ahead. Do I think it's going to be the Dodgers? I don't know. I don't think it's going to be the Padres. I think San Francisco has some some offensive issues. Colorado has Jamie Moyer on their team. That says a lot about their pitching, in my opinion. I think you're looking at the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. 
But this year, I, I don't know why I feel this way. I, I think Matt Kemp is going to come back down to earth. I think the Dodgers are going to face a lot of negative things. But the one thing the Dodgers have right now is the ability to spend again. If the Dodgers need a player or two, their front office finally has the leeway to go pick up some people, pick up some reinforcements. And I think the West shakes out. Dodgers first. Giants finish in second. Colorado finishes third. I think you're looking at a big-time pennant race between the Dodgers and Giants. I think you're looking at a big-time wild-card race between the Rockies, the Giants, and then in the National League East, a couple teams over there. So I like the Dodgers to win the division over the Giants. No reason. No reason at all. It's just a... a just a hunch. I have nothing to back up my claim. I have nothing at all to make me believe that I'm going to be right. Now we move, last but not least, to my Mets and the National League East. And I think the Mets are not in as much trouble as everybody else thinks they are. I think Philly is going to take a big step back. Their pitch, their team's starting to get older. They don't have Utley. They don't have Howard. Rollins seems to be on the down slope of his career. The pitching staff has been a little dicey with injuries in March. The Braves have had injuries, and... For all those who said that Tommy Hansen isn't going to start the season on the team, Tommy Hansen's starting opening day for the Braves. So maybe, you know, shouldn't always read in everything. I think the Marlins are going to be a huge factor. When you add Reyes to the lineup with Ramirez, with Stanton, with Morrison, with Coglin, I mean, that team's got a chance to explode. New stadium, new attitude, excitement in the ball club. Well, I'll tell you what, I think the Marlins are going to be a big factor. I think the Nationals are a year away. I think next year you could be looking at the Nationals as, as the absolute favorite in the National League. They have the ability to spend. They have young players coming up. Bryce Harper should be up and playing every day after May 15th. I like the way the Nationals have developed their team. The Nationals have really developed their team after the old Expo way. I understand the Nationals have some veterans. But if you look at it, the Expos built their teams on young players. The Nationals are now recreating that system. And I think that's going to lead them to very big things in 2013. And I'll spend a little extended time on my New York Mets. Mets have questions. 
Can Santana stay healthy? Can Pelfrey get people out consistently? Can Nice pitch a full season? Can G stay solid? Can anybody on the team stay healthy? You know, Murphy's been hurt the last couple of years playing second base. Right the last couple of years has gotten hurt and been out for some extended periods. Jason Bay is just hurt to look at. Uh, Andres Torres has come over and been hurt. Ike Davis, you don't know if the Valley Fever is going to come back. You don't know if Josh Tolley's an everyday catcher. The depth is terrible. And I may be drinking the Kool-Aid, but I see the National Yeast shaping out. Miami? Philadelphia, the Mets, the Nationals, and the Braves. I think Philly, Colorado, and San Francisco will have a dogfight for the wild card. I ultimately think Philly will win the wild card. But I think Philly's going to stumble in the playoffs and not be as much of a threat offensively as they have in the past. I understand Philly gets in the playoffs on that pitching staff. If they're healthy, they cause a huge threat, or they pose a huge threat. But that's the way I like the National League shaping out. So my picks for the 2012 Major League Baseball season, the division winners are the Blue Jays, the Tigers and the Angels in the American League with the wild card game being between the Red Sox and Yankees. In the National League, I have Miami, Cincinnati, and L.A. as division winners. I have the wild card game being the Giants and the Phillies with my World Series champion. Well, with my world, well, first I'll go to my World Series. My World Series picks are going to be the Angels. And in the National League, the Miami Marlins. With the Angels winning the World Series. Those are my 2012 Major League Baseball picks. For Status Radio on Blog Talk Radio. And that'll do it for me. Uh, next week, there will be no show next week. Easter weekend. I'm taking the weekend off. No show next week. I was going to do a Saturday night show. Now, if a lot of things happen, look for the show on Saturday night. Otherwise, there will be no show next week. As always, you can find the show on iTunes. You can email the show, statusradio at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, John underscore Corey. John underscore C-O-R-R-I-E. And you can follow the show on Facebook. It's Status Radio page on Facebook. 
I'll see you in two weeks. Everybody have a good Easter. Have a good holiday. I'll see you then on Status Radio.